0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 75 of Dean Discussions. Wow, 75. That's super cool. The podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reader, and with me, as always, is my good buddy, Ben Boomhofer. How are you doing tonight, Ben? Uh, You know what? I'm doing pretty
1: good. And, you know, 75 is only 25 more than 50. So
0: I don't that's really true. know what that's supposed to mean. It's yeah. And there's 25 more than that to 100. Yeah, that's true. So see, we're we're, no, we're nothing yet we're working on it yeah you have g- to <laughs> don't you have to get like a hundred to really to really make it yeah then you can say hey i have a podcast people yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, gosh what was well, it in, in just
1: afterlife it really found its voice in episode 46 or, or something like that. Uh,
0: exactly exactly yeah. uh but uh, it is, it is episode 75 and we've got some, some fun stuff to talk about. We've got uh, a kind of all in one topic mm-hmm. and we've got a show question that we got in an email that I thought was actually really good. So we're going to cover that as well as some of the other stuff we've been doing. So uh, to start out, we're going to talk a little bit about blue dragons. <sighs> exactly. So scary. Uh, <laughs> we've we've talked uh, about several different types of dragons before, but we have not covered blue yet, and so we decided, why not just kind of do an all-in-one instead of just talking directly about blue dragons, like lore and kind of how to play and whatever? We thought we'd do a monster fixture on top of it. Yeah, exactly. because people seem to people seem to really like those, and we like doing them. Uh, so. Ben, why don't why don't you kick us off? Why don't you tell us, like, if if someone wants to throw a blue dragon in their campaign and they want it to be kind of lore accurate ish, what what should they know about blue dragons? Well, first off, they're
1: blue. That's important, very important. Because if you don't know the color, then there's no way that you can actually have a blue dragon. But uh, besides that, um blue dragons are actually really interesting because they they live mostly in like deserts or like coastal areas you know things where there's like a lot of sand and because of this you know they don't really have a whole lot going on you know for like a, a some sort of you know ground based layer or or effects or regional effects and stuff that's you know they they can pull a lot of cover from you know so like you know if you're in a bog or something like that or a forest or a volcano you know your lair is going to be you know like a cave or something like that there's going to be a lot of regional effects and on top of that you're probably going to stay on the ground a whole lot so we're talking about like red dragons black dragons white dragons things like that blue dragons they fly a lot because in the desert there's not a whole lot there um in fact, like their their homes are basically just burrows in the ground for the most part, with like you know a whole bunch of different dugout chambers and everything. but instead of just you know kind of staying in one spot, they're just gonna be roaming and flying a whole lot all over the place. One of the cool yeah. things about that though is that because they make their homes there, there aren't a whole ton of deserts in a lot of worlds, so because of that more than one blue dragon can populate a desert to the point where they can have a whole kind of society and a hierarchy and everything. And that's where things get kind of interesting, because they're very sociable uh, with with different classes or different classes (laughs) with, with different blue dragons. And that's one of the things that I found that was really interesting is the fact that they have like a hierarchy set up in their society The, you know, the oldest and like strongest is going to be, you know, the head of everything. And they just basically defer to that dragon for almost every everything, like especially major decisions and stuff. There's no such thing as like actually going against or challenging for leadership or anything like that. If a blue dragon like doesn't like the decisions that are being made, they'll just
0: leave and find a different uh, desert. Kind of cool stuff yeah Uh, and we must not forget their very distinctive horn Mm -hmm. yep very true so aside from being blue
1: you can tell that they have a very distinctive horn it's like a rhino horn except here's the fun thing it's not actually one horn there's always a secondary horn like kind of jutting out behind it um in fact you know if you're looking uh to make like a draco lich or something like that that's a very good thing to kind of give a distinction of like hey it's got this one horn with a double one behind it just to give you a good idea of you know what you're looking at and everything
0: yeah it's it's the knowledge and foreshadowing Mm -hmm. right it's just like oh this is called gonna have lightning breath or something like that
1: yeah definitely a a big interesting thing i love lightning and having lightning breath is just an, a, a really cool kind of attack to, uh, for a breath weapon. Um, so as they go through kind of, you know, in their like society and stuff, uh, blue dragons, they actually have like courtship rituals uh, where they'll give gifts to each other, whether it be food, you know, wealth or something like that. And then if it kind of goes well, then that's when they'll like announce it to the rest of the blue dragon society and then get approval from the 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 patriarch or the matriarch and you know, whoever's leading um and because of that, like they actually like when they mate and have uh you know lay eggs and everything like that, they are super duper protective. Of they will give their lives for their eggs. Um, and on top of that too, when they hatch, they're actually like very loving parents to their babies, which is very different from a lot of different types of dragons, especially some of the ones that we've covered already.
0: Yep it's it's a very different dynamic but it's got a lot of uh rp mm-hmm. type potential um especially oh party stumbles across some dragon eggs oh they happen to be blue dragons unlike other dragons they do give a crap that you're stealing their eggs yeah and they and rarely we'll leave them alone
1: so you know keep an eye out not very it. far off Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, One of the things uh, about blue dragons, too, is that they're very patient. Um, so if for some reason they're attacking a, like a city or a village or something like that, they'll just put it, you know, like lay siege and just keep surrounding it and just wait and wait and wait until, you know, they kind of just die out from, you know, no supplies or you know give up or or do whatever because they have all the time in the world you know they're long living creatures but even more so they are master tacticians like they love to pull off you know their plans of of battle and everything without you know or with you know masterful strokes of genius without any danger coming to themselves
0: hence part of that that is the they love flying they're always flying and that can very easily frustrate a party quite well mm-hmm. if you're in an encounter with one. And there's a lot of different techniques you can use. Someone uh, – I saw this on Twitter. Um, maybe maybe it was a DD and d Beyond article link uh, where it was talking about uh, different dragon tactics. And one of them being especially when you have an adult and hire – you can do grappling without uh, speed penalties mm-hmm. because you're more than more than like two or more larger than than the creature you're carrying. Um, and so, you know, the, the things like breath weapons, not recharge. It's OK. You come down, uh, you do a wing attack or you use a legendary action to boost boost your movement speed. Uh, you go down, grab one of the players, most likely, unless it's like a barbarian or maybe a fighter, mm-hmm. they're going to lose the strength contest against this incredibly strong dragon. Dragon picks him up, flies straight up, drops him.
1: Yeah, very
0: simple tactic. Don't really want to fight one of these out in the open, really. <laughs> but an incredibly fun one to to kind of make your party get squeamish. -hmm. Especially if they don't have a ton of ways of mitigating massive falls.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. On top of that, too, uh, blue dragons are masters of the illusionary terrain spell. So, you know, all these different sinkholes and stuff that they could be digging and burying and everything. Cast the the uh, illusory terrain. I I forget exactly what uh, the spell is called. I think it's something similar to that, but. You think that the ground's all nice and safe. You take a step forward, and then you're falling down a hundred foot cliff.
0: Yeah, and I mean, speaking of that, uh, just let's let's dive into the mechanics a little bit. So, mm-hmm. regional effects. Uh, most dragons, uh, especially like adult and higher, have uh, regional effects built into their stat blocks, where they kind of warp the the region around their layer. So, like for blue dragons, you have thunderstorms rage within six miles of the layer. And I, I love I love the regional effects because they're a great way to add a lot of flavor and kind of tip your party off that they're entering somewhere potentially dangerous. Mm-hmm. Or something. something's not up and something's going on because there's all sorts of different dragon effects. But yeah, thunderstorms rage within six miles of the lair. Uh, dust devils scour the land within six miles of the lair. Uh, hidden sinkholes uh, just like you were talking about hidden sinkholes forming in and around the layer uh that have to be spotted at a very fairly high perception check otherwise you fall 1d6 times 10 feet mm-hmm. <laughs> into the sinkhole <laughs> so you could get a you get a pretty dang deep sinkhole uh going in one of these uh, and, and get damaged or potentially throw throw a wrench into the party's plans. Uh, how do we get someone out of a 60-foot deep sinkhole and, oh God, there's a dragon? Yeah, considering, you know, adventurers usually only have 50 feet of rope.
1: It's a good question. Um, That's right. It, it, one of the things that I do love is the fact that, you know, like all dragons, they are very vain, of course. Um, but because they live in the deserts, you know yeah they they can eat you know some of the plants and stuff that you might find and everything but for the most part they absolutely love like herd animals caravans things like that so they're prime examples if you have to travel through a desert like prime examples of a good predator and a good encounter to kind of have um you know whenever they dine on what you know the the meat that they're doing they cook it with their lightning breath before they just gorge themselves and it's pretty cool handy built in <laughs> mhm exactly Yeah, um, they love gems. They, you know, uh, anything that has a a bunch of different beautiful colors. uh, They love sapphires. Um, You know, anything with gems, everything magically uh, adorned with gems, uh, magic items, jewelry. Just you know, they're a dragon. They're going to love all that kind of stuff.
0: But yeah, gems in particular Mm -hmm. seem to be seem to be very blue, blue dragon things. Yeah. so yeah there's a there's a lot of different there's a lot of flavor you can add uh and digging into these lore types of things uh is fun because then you can scatter that around as kind of foreshadowing uh you can have those as loot options in a horde those those types of things
1: yeah in fact i just realized uh where one of them lives in my world or at least the society of them who knows who knows <laughs> Should your players be worried right now? No. They're not going there anytime soon maybe. Okay, cool.
0: Babies. <laughs> uh so let's let's talk about Blue Dragons mechanically because like all dragons in my opinion, they're pretty boring. Yeah. Uh you've got your your normal, you know, resist legendary resistances and legendary actions which is, you know, the detect, which is like a wisdom check, uh, tail attack, wing attack, and then your multi-attack, your claw-claw uh, bite, yep. <laughs> you know, type thing. Your frightful presence, which is is normal on a dragon. And then, of course, your recharge five or six lightning breath, which in this it- case is a 90-foot line that's five feet wide so no no cone on this one you're you're going in a straight line 90 feet um for a decent amount of damage for sure definitely but that's pretty that's pretty pretty standard um the layer actions get a little more interesting you've got some stuff uh one that can collapse part of the ceiling um you've got one where cloud uh, sand swirls around and it uh, can blind people. You've got one where lightning arcs can form uh, within uh, like 120 feet of the dragon. Uh, and it moves in a line and then uh, characters that get caught in them may take damage. And again, though, these are only things that you do in your lair and you don't always encounter dragons in their lair.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, is that dragons for the most part, don't want to fight in their lair. Um, Even though, you know, if, again, if they're a red or green or something like that, they have those layer effects and, you know, they, they use them to their advantage, but out in the open is where a dragon really shines because they can stay away from you. And like we said, blue dragons love to fly. They can fly for days. So if they're able to, you know, just get to you outside of their lair, they're going to be way more dangerous in, in that sense.
0: Yeah, just from the the mobility, mm-hmm. yeah, and the flying around for sure. Um, so, Ben, if you were running a blue dragon, what would you do to spice it up a little bit to make it a little more interesting for the players and and unexpected for well, your players to play against? I
1: I've, I came up with a couple of ideas again uh, as before with all of our monster fixers. Um, I don't have actual stats; that's for you to figure out. Um, Because I don't know what your party's like. Who knows? But um, I really kind of looked at the social aspect of a blue dragon, and I thought, this is is what really intrigues me most, is the fact that dragons are usually solitary. So the fact that the blues really like that society, or at least, you know, submit to it, is kind of cool. So I figure... Instead of actually having, you know, like, you know, kobold minions running around like you might with like a red dragon or something like that, throw in a couple blue dragon wormlings in there, you know, the the babies that, you know, the, this parent loves that they've been protecting. Like, if you're attacking in their lair, have them still be like, you know, super young wormlings that are just kind of coming into their own, getting close to joining dragon society. You know it would
0: make sense for them to be around exactly with blue dragons
1: exactly for you know uh higher level characters and stuff they're they're not gonna pose too much of a threat, but they're still gonna take up space uh and give you some some extra you know players on the field for you know playing around some strategy and and having some fun with it i, I just think that that would be really interesting on top yeah, of no, that i agree um I'm like, you know, blue dragons, lightning, that's pretty cool. Let's give them an electrified body of some sort. So, you know, anytime you have like a a magical weapon or, well, not just a magical weapon, but some sort of metal weapon you hit, arc off some electricity onto the character. I think that that would be really interesting. Or if they're successful with like a a crossbow bolt or a bow and arrow, um, any character who's within five feet maybe have like a, a, a shock come out of it or something. Um, it can be kind of fun that way. Just you know, really up that lightning factor on it.
0: Oh, totally! I I really love that idea. Or if you want to go uh, with something super easy, give them the call lightning spell. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah! I mean, it's it's so flavorful and perfect. A storm cloud appears in the shape of a cylinder that is ten feet tall with a sixty foot radius, centered on on a point you can see within range directly above you. Yeah. Like, and then it, it's concentration up to 10 minutes. It stays there. And then, uh, basically a bolt of lightning flashes down from the cloud. And each creature that's within five feet has to make a deck save, or you take a certain amount of lightning damage. And then on each of your turns until the spell ends, you can use your action to call down more lightning. And you could make that, uh, you could make that a legendary action. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to do that, took up one or two legendary actions. You could make that uh, a replacement for one of the the claw attacks or the bite attack. Um, there's there's a lot of different ways you could do it, uh, and that's something that would add a ton of flavor and interestingness. That's just a you know base level spell in the game that you could just add
1: exactly and the fact that they are you know master technicians um they like using illusions they are actually really good at ventriloquism as well you know somehow get you know uh have the, their their lair be more maze like try to split up the players see if you can do something along those lines you know have them calling you know help from another character you know have the dragon really try to to steer them and put them in, in positions where it's advantageous to it you know, kind, kind of work on some of that stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, You could give them the control weather spell. Mm-hmm. That would that would play in a lot. I mean, heck, just the regional effects, thunderstorms rage within six miles. It's not that much of a stretch that they could, you, you could have the call weather spell or uh, control weather spell in there. Um, You could play around with that even more. Uh Not necessarily spell, uh, though there are spell effects that do something like this, but just even an aura or an area where the dragon controls extremely strong winds Mm -hmm. and can point it in a direction. And anytime you need to go that direction, it's considered difficult terrain or you've got to make some sort of a strength saving throw to be able to move at all. Or something like that. It's just a, a area denial, area control type effect. That could be super cool, and again, very uh, thematically themed for a blue dragon.
1: Exactly. I mean, a lot of just you know harsh weather, lightning, storming stuff. It it really fits with the the kind of mythos uh, that you're looking at with a blue dragon. So. Being able to kind of throw anything along with that, I think, is pretty great. Um, you know, if you really want to go really deep into the the theme on that, um, have it, you know, be able to to summon maybe some some uh, air elementals or something to kind of go along with it, or 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 lightning elementals, or or you know, something along those lines. You know, just as as uh, a dragon gets older, give it more abilities, give it more kind of really cool stuff that it could have honed and learned and created over the years.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree. And I I also feel like creatures that are this powerful, so, you know, players have actions, bonus actions, reactions. I feel like that enemies this powerful should also be able to have those things, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Give it some cool reactions. Give it uh, some sort of a lightning shield that... uh, absorbs or reflects damage back, uh, on a reaction when it's taken either through a reaction or through some legendary actions. Um, you could do some really cool stuff like that. Um, one of the cool, coolest things, and we've, I think we've talked about this a little bit before is theming, uh, and making your legendary resistances thematic. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of really cool stuff you could do, like a, a three pronged lightning shield or some sort of elements that are floating around or connected to, uh, the dragon's body. Uh, I had envisioned one fight. So, like, uh, is, you see this, this blue dragon. It's got this, like, lightning type uh emanating from its chest and from both of its wings and it's coursing along its body and anytime you hit it with a melee attack you take damage whenever it uses a legendary resistance one of those lightning things goes out and the shielding or reflective effect weakens mm-hmm. along with it and so by the time you take all three of its legendary make it use all three of its legendary resistances that lightning shield is now gone as symbolizing that there is no more legendary resistances. And it's just another cool themed thing you can do that kind of gives your players indication of progress Mm -hmm. as well for, for the fight.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um, So yeah, those are just some of the things that we've kind of come up with. I mean, blue dragons are really interesting just, you know, Normal stats aside, so giving them any anything extra just helps add to their kind of you know awesome power and, and coolness that they have.
0: Agreed. Um, yeah, should if you, anyone's got good blue dragon stories, let us know. I have not. I have to watch what I say. I have not technically gotten to run a blue dragon yet, but there are blue dragons that exist in the lore of my world Mm -hmm. i'm very i'm excited to eventually hopefully get to run some of them
1: yeah so far i've only run a brass dragon uh sorry mechanical dragon not a brass dragon um and a uh a green dragon so yeah i'm i'm looking forward to uh some some
0: maybe blue dragon in the future i'm not sure Oh, that's man. That's a good point. What all? What all dragons have I actually gotten to run? I need to, need needs more dragons. Uh, I've run <laughs> a young red. I've run a adult green. I've run a young copper. Um, I run. I've run a young black. Uh, that was, that was re- not, not, not super recent, but relatively, relatively recent. Yeah. Um, I have, I have also run a, uh, Clockwork Dragon. That Clockwork, was super fun. That's what I meant. Yeah. Clockwork Dragon. Those are, those are super cool. That was really cool. Um, I really enjoyed that yeah, one. Yeah. I think there's a stat block for them in one of the Kobold Press monster books. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. You showed that to me and I thought that was pretty cool. I think I ended up running one from, uh just the the homebrew collection on uh, D&D Beyond. Yeah, yeah. Or, or I kind of yeah. merged them around or
0: you know kind of made stu- stuff my own. Yeah, there's some there's some good stuff in there. Uh I've and then I've run a uh It's not a draco it wasn't a draco lich but it kind of was. Basically like a you know like a bone yeah. bone dragon type thing that used to be a black like an adult black one. Gotcha. I've run run that one too. Kind of reanimated.
1: Yeah. And then I had my Avatar
0: Tiamat. That's
1: yeah, so I've really kind of only done about three dragons.
0: I need to catch up. We need to do more dragons, it yes. sounds
1: like. Yeah. Uh, I mean yeah. there there is one that's um is holding a weapon for my paladin. Um it's in, it's in a dragon horde, so I think next session we are talking about potentially going and trying to get that. So Ooh. Yeah, so hey, I, you know we'll talk more about that uh at the end of the show.
0: Technically, I guess I have run a sapphire dragon. Oh. Well, as yeah. well as as lore like not fought with, but introduced a crystal dragon. Yeah, that's and I true. had a crystal whelpling
1: as I, well. I had a, I had a young uh crystal dragon that it was there for the fight against the Avatar team. So I guess I did run that, not against the party. And then they also had a silver dragon that was on their side as well. So, okay, I guess I've done a little bit more. Yeah,
0: yeah. but More you know, dragons, though.
1: It, when I'm running them and they're on the side of the party, of course, they're not going to be doing everything as cool as they possibly can. Because, you know, it's the party's turn to shine. I'm not going to have a dragon just come in and World of Warcraft it up and beat the bad guy. <sighs>
0: <laughs> not gonna you're not gonna wrath it
1: yeah exactly
0: <laughs> that's a little wrath of the lich king joke for those of you who are as old as we are yes although technically i guess classic just came out so more new people may experience i it mean too. there's that too <laughs> it's it's wild uh before i make myself depressed uh talking about how long ago things came out we are gonna move on to our email question yes uh so this question came in, and I thought it was I thought it was really good because it is a question that comes up probably more often than you would like like it to, and most <laughs> like likely it to come up with
1: every group.
0: Yeah, yeah. So so Peter asks, have you guys discussed those one shot adventures needed for when you are in a place in your main campaign that can't go on with a player missing? Do you need to create a side quest for the other players that still works with the main campaign, but doesn't advance the main quest? Uh, this is an incredibly good question because the answer is yes. <laughs> I definitely have had to do that before. And to, the scheduling boss beats us all mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's nearly inevitable that... Uh, Some sort of scheduling issues will happen at some point, uh, even with best laid plans and one or more people may not be able to make it to your group one night, but then everyone else still wants to play. You're at a pivotal point in your campaign or (laughs) you're doing something that heavily involves that player's character and so as like I don't want to play that player's character during this big moment of theirs or mm-hmm. during this the you know this big arc that is that is being pulled from their backstory and stuff so so what do you do um there's there's several different options uh if you are if you are in a homebrew if you're in a homebrew campaign uh you can always just make some crap up <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, there can always be just someone that needs help, some little side errand that comes along from an ally, potentially, that the players know, or from a contact that the players know. Uh, once you're, you know, several levels into a campaign and your players start having some contacts or start have done some jobs, it's very inter- easy usually to reintroduce those types of characters to go, hey – everyone i know you helped me out with this other thing would you mind helping me out with this thing uh it shouldn't take too long maybe one session (laughs) uh but yeah you can do that um there are plenty of setting agnostic adventures that you can plop into your game world In fact, we'll talk about one of those in the the community content shout out. Uh, I thought it actually ended up being a really, really uh, fitting one uh, based on the topic we were talking about. But DM's Guild has an absolute ton of them that are just kind of drop in. There are anthology books like Radiant Citadel, Mm -hmm. uh, Candlekeep that have somewhat setting agnostic things or... Ones that you could tweak a little bit and kind of plop in, depending on where you are—yeah, wilderness, city, town, etc.—that uh, you could then just run through those. Uh, so yeah, there's 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 several different things like that. If you're running a module, it gets a little harder because modules are usually less flexible. As far as what is just pre-written, unless you're doing something a little more sandboxy, like uh, Dragon of Fire Peak, which for the first little while has you do like quests up a quest board. It's like, okay, cool. Just pick another one of those quests, or we can go revisit a quest that the party didn't get done earlier before the next set of quests mm-hmm. came up, or something like that. Yeah. So the the, the more sandboxy ones that you've got a little more flexibility for the the non uh sandboxy ones you can still go back and lean on that player contacts thing you may have to do a little more work on your end to to make something up uh but it's fairly easy to make up like some sort of MacGuffin um and go this person needs this person needs x for y reasons yeah or this or x person was captured save them from y or you know something something like that there there's a lot of really easy uh just i mean look to your typical MMO if you want to find something short and sweet right do a fetch quest. <laughs> do a do a um do
1: not, an escort quest. <laughs> do not do a gather 30 zebra hooves
0: quest. I do Don't not do recommend gathering that. No. Don't do gathering quests unless the gathering uh is is fun. Yes. Which gathering can be a lot more fun in DD than it can be uh in in MMOs because you can actually uh, lots of cool things can happen while you're trying to find the specific plant that is when ground up is the cure for the disease that the mayor is suffering from mm-hmm. in town uh, <laughs> that he was suddenly stricken with. Uh, when your cleric uh, all of a sudden, for some reason, one week decides to hang back and not say much. <laughs>
1: yeah, it, it's king foil. You, you, uh, you know,
0: you feed it to the hogs. Yeah, so Exactly. You know, uh what do you, what do you think Ben? What do you, what do you what kind of tips do you have for for this kind of
1: Well, thing? uh what I will say is that um I have never done this. Uh when when we have someone who can't play, we usually actually cancel it um just because uh, my players feel bad when someone can't make it and they don't want to have fun without them. Um so there's that. That being said though, if I were in the position where you know everybody like okay well let's let's go on let's go do something yeah just coming up with something as as a side quest side MacGuffin or everything like you said it, you had pretty much a lot of the, the the best ideas for you know just creating something on the fly you know whenever they're in town they're going to make contacts like uh, just right now in the town that uh, my characters are in they've got like four or five different contacts just right away um, that you know I can say you know, one of them needs something from, and boom, there we go. Um, in fact, I even randomly had a, hey, could you go get some basilisk venom for me, or basilisk blood? And, you know, eh, I don't think they're ever going to do it. That's fine. It's just something that I kind of threw out there as a, you know, hey, if you if you're ever in this area and you see some, grab some for me or something. But that being said, if you're in the middle of an arc, it is hard to, you know, kind of do that. So you can always do a, hey, during the downtime, remember when you guys went on this adventure? And you can really kind of grab stuff and kind of throw it wherever you want, whenever you want. And, you know, don't make it something super hard and difficult so that a TPK can happen, because then, you know, you kind of break your immersion there. Um, Or, you know, even just go into something as simple as, uh, you know, dream sequence kind of thing, you know, just your characters are kind of doing stuff. Maybe give them uh an extra, you know, five levels or something to kind of play around with or um, you know, just like extra fun random abilities like, oh in this, you know, random adventure for some reason you can fly and, you know, it's, it's something new that they can do or you can shoot a laser out of your eyes, you know, every once a battle or something, you know, just kind of Look for you know any sort of weird reason or trope or something where you know they would be getting together without the member who wasn't able to make it there, and again doesn't even have to be in continuity. It could be just something entirely just. Hey, you're your characters, but you're at a bar, and this is how we're gonna start
0: today. It doesn't. Yeah, have Yeah, uh, I I absolutely love that. That it's such a great suggestion. Uh, like flashback adventure. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, Or dream sequence. I love that because that's that's then something where you can just pluck all the current characters out. The other character could have been gone for that adventure, you know, because they were hung know, over it, from partying the were, night before. They were hung over. They were <laughs> they took too long in the bathroom before the portal opened. You know, any you could basically come up with anything. So yeah. those those types of things are awesome. Um, yeah, remember, the, Ryan? You remember in Plus
1: Five to Hit the time when, um, uh, let's see, uh,
0: was Shield, that when IGM No, no,
1: when Shield wasn't there and we had to go save that baby Griffin. Yeah, just again, just a random thing that. Yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: No, that's that's uh, that's <laughs> a it's a yeah, it's a great idea. I I actually wholeheartedly approve of that because then you can do anything. Mm-hmm. Basically anything at any time, roughly anything at any time, uh, for, for a flashback or you could go wild with a, with a dream sequence or something like that. Yeah. Um, make, make it fun. I mean, it, yeah.
1: it it doesn't have to be a serious, you know, like world ending thing. Or it Ooh. could be. <laughs>
0: do, do a battle Royale. I was actually just about to suggest because <laughs> I, I have done that. I have done that. Um, we, uh, my group did a battle royale, uh, where we up leveled them to like 15 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I found this cool battle map, uh, and we just spent the session doing, doing some fun PvP and I made some mechanics around it basically. It kind of almost battle royale like mechanics where the, you know, the, the whole, um, why, why are words so hard? The whole like, uh, play area like shrunk. Mm hmm. At certain points uh, in certain rounds to bring people closer together. But then there's a bunch of different areas for people to explore and find things like items or uh, potions or something like that they can use. So it's, it's super fun. And then at the end, give them something tangible. Like it doesn't have to be much, but like the winner of that got DM inspiration. Yeah. That then can actually carry over to the real thing. So... Everybody had fun and someone actually got something tangible out of it that can be carried over to the, the main campaign that doesn't like break any any of the continuity. Yeah. Or like super, super fun. Like
1: three points of luck. You know, I, I wouldn't exactly recommend, you know, throwing a wish spell in there or something like that. That that might be just a little too powerful, but you know, just you know, something fun.
0: Yeah. Um and I and I will preface all this by saying too. A lot of this depends how many party members you have. Yes, like if you're a three-person party and you lose one, that's that's a lot more impactful on your play session than if you have a five or six-member party and you're down one. Mm-hmm. Then it becomes then it becomes less of a big deal. Exactly. Depending on where you're at in the story, but normally, if you have five or six and you're down one. It's it's not a super huge deal, whereas if you have three or four and you're down one, it becomes a little bit more of a big deal, especially from a balanced perspective and such. So just you, the group together kind of has to make the call of, hey, do we still play or are we still interested or do we want to wait for this person? And then the DM also has to chime in with the oh, yeah, there's totally something I could do with with a few people. Mm-hmm. And we could we could kind of still have it be in continuity, but not uh, have it be something that'll necessarily push the story forward. Yeah. Um, if you want,
1: in my opinion, one of the absolute best um, critical role episodes where someone couldn't make it and they had to hold off, it is from the first campaign from Vox Machina. It's episode 26, Consequences and Cows someone couldn't make it for it was um uh talison couldn't make it and this was right before the the uh um the briarwood arc so he kind of had to be there for that and uh so they just kind of ran through a scenario of something that happened and it turned into just being a stupid fun adventure and uh we'll just say that their cows were a
0: theme yeah that's a it's a perfect example perfect example Uh, But yeah, so I think I think that'd be my that'd be my advice. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be our advice. There's a there's a ton of different things you can do. So so go with what works best with your group. All right. So before we jump into uh, our last bit and talk a little bit about what we've been doing, we, of course, have some community content shout outs. The first one, as I kind of alluded to uh drop an adventure. So we've we've talked a lot before about MCDM and uh their Arcadia magazine, which is still a fantastic deal. And you can get it through their store, or if you're uh a patron of theirs, you can get it. Uh it comes out monthly. There's a lot of really cool 5e stuff in it. But the uh really fun adventure from Arcadia number one called the Workshop Watches. Uh, they're making that free for everybody Yay. uh just throwing it out there that you can so you can download it this is a, very much one of those drop-in type adventures like you could you could take this and kind of put it anywhere it's it's setting agnostic it's uh for fifth level players specifically so if i mean if you have players that are too much higher, too much lower than that, you, you might really have to tweak it. But uh, if you have players around that range and you're looking for something to kind of do a drop-in, it's an incredibly fun, very well-written adventure. Uh, I highly recommend it. We'll have the link to it in the show notes. So check that out.
1: Yeah, I'm just kind of looking at it right now, and that's kind of cool. I like the idea of this.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a really fun one. It's a really fun one. All about wizards and houses. Uh and then also I wanted to point out uh and this is from Ann Gregerson. And I think we've shared some of her stuff before, but this is uh monster loot. And I wanted to point this out because she has done a monster loot for almost every single official book there is. It gives all sorts of extra cool loot that your adventurers can get when they defeat monsters. So things like uh, Basilisk Eye. It's not just a Basilisk Eye. It's when consumed, you have to make a DC-12 con save throw or become petrified. So like all these items... In these books, they actually do cool stuff. So if you want to introduce, and I know we've talked a lot in previous episodes about uh, consumables as rewards or things with limited uses that are absolutely great, uh, these monster loot type things are really good for giving those types of fun consumable loot items that could potentially be used... As interesting props or MacGuffins or things the party just pulls out of their butts (laughs) at some point in the future. And you're just like, holy crap, I didn't remember you had a basilisk eye. The king fails his con save and is petrified. Yeah,
1: Uh, or on top of that, too, it gives them some interesting stuff that they can sell. Now, finding prices for these things, I mean, you're really going to have to kind of come up with that as well as, like, you know, whoever would buy it. But, I mean, giving them more flexibility with, you know, the, the various things that they find and can, you know, use and everything like that, this answers a lot of those kind of loot problems that we've run across before. It's like, you know, what do I give them instead of, like, a whole ton of gold? Well, here you go. Here's, you know, bits and pieces of things that actually do stuff. And uh, these are these are pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. These are like really cool. Kind yeah, there's a it's
0: very varied.
1: Yeah. Uh, speaking of dragons. Um, hey, guess what? There's one for for Fisben's Treasury of Dragons. You can find a whole bunch of random cool stuff with that.
0: Yeah. And some of the stuff is really cool from the fact of like uh, the the hag uh, potion of the hag blood or what, whatever uh, that doesn't do anything by itself but like extends the duration of an invisibility spell
1: mm-hmm. Exactly. so stuff that
0: works with can in conjunction with other stuff which is not something you see very often in official books
1: yeah uh, like uh, going back to the hag because well they're are examples for our yeah, bacillus and green hag but uh one green hag tongue hey guess what when it's consumed you can mimic animal sounds and humanoid voices for one hour
0: <laughs> you disgusting but cool yeah Dis- disgusting but helpful yeah how are you gonna figure that one out There's, that's that's a heck of an intelligence checker, <laughs> whatever yep. should i eat this
1: <laughs> what would happen if i ate this you know what that is what man has been asking about everything since he crawled out of the ocean <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's true uh, someone someone had to find out at some point if it was edible I guess right yeah
1: it's one of the reasons why I never trust mushrooms some of them are <laughs> good for you some of
0: them are some of them make you see different things sneaky sneaky mushrooms exactly <laughs> uh, so we will, we will have links uh, to both uh, the workshop watches and the monster manual and among other uh, there's basically one for every published book
1: yeah. Pretty much at I mean, this at this point. We'll we'll just have the link for the first one, and then just click on the picture of the of the next one you want to look at if you uh, yeah. are. interested. They're all there.
0: They're all there. Gosh, like literally, they're all here. This yeah. is really cool. Yeah, she did a pretty amazing job. That' been very busy. It's a lot. It's a lot of loot. Yeah, it's a lot of loot. I might have to pick up the fizzbands one. Looks pretty cool. Yeah, I think I might too. <laughs> all right uh again like we said uh dndiscussions.com will have the links to all these things in the show notes on the site uh and then of course before we go as always we usually chat a little bit about what's going on in our games right now so ben what's your party doing after this this whole big ordeal. Uh partying. Honestly. That that's what they're doing. It's the ball. <laughs> it the was, it's yes. The, it's the ball.
1: Yeah. Um, it took us a year and a half real time to get here. <laughs> but uh yeah. So after the the big uh you know confrontation with the dragon, the aftermath of that, I, I said, okay, you have a day. And then it's going to be the day of the ball. So like, great. We had a couple things we wanted to do. Uh, first of all, our sorcerer went and confronted the queen, who is uh, his half sister. Um, the great thing is the sorcerer is a changeling. So they showed up as their mom, who is currently deceased and totally freaked out the queen, <laughs> which was a lot of fun. And then uh, walked away and then came back and then in front of the queen changed back into himself. <laughs> and basically said uh, yeah we're related have fun before you die because she's going to be executed for treason the next couple days so Um, wow that's dark yeah yeah that's that is dark it it was uh it was kind of interesting i'm like great this is this is awesome i mean uh he got the closure he needed uh, from the family because uh you know the the mom left him and his dad um the the person who the queen's father is is the one who killed his father or yeah killed the sorcerer's father so i mean it's yeah it's taken care of it's good chapter closed pretty happy about that um (laughs) <laughs> the funny thing is, is that uh, i made up a um a, a charm like uh, choker that uh, for a uh, charm person monster and for gaius um the target has a disadvantage on their their saving throw and the queen was using that because she was using it to you know charm the king for the past 3 years or whatever well our bard took it from her and so the sorcerer and the bard go to talk to the king, and the bard's just wearing this this choker, you know, just just around her neck. And you know, as they walk in, she realizes, oh, we're gonna see the king. Oh, this is bad. So she's like, okay, um, I'm going to attempt to try to hide from hide it from the king that I'm taking off this choker. I'm like, okay, great, roll for it. And then I rolled perception on it just, just to see. She got a natural one, and I got a natural twenty so <laughs> but uh luckily, he was understanding that you know magical items do kind of change hands upon defeat, and uh he knew that'd be a little
0: unsettling though,
1: yeah, a, a bit, but he also knew that she wasn't casting anything at him after being charmed for three years, <laughs> so yeah it kind of worked out um but anyway, so then, uh, the next day, uh the bart, okay, so in this place, trade more everything is for sale. The temple, it's called the free temple and they will do um you know services and everything for any god. You just have to pay a price for it. And you know, so they're totally price gouging for religion and stuff. You know, they're they're not religious at all, but they're horrible people doing that. So the bard originally to kind of stop, you know, some sort of riot with this big, you know, big ball happening at the castle and all that, she wanted to th- kind of throw a celebration for the the common folk, well, the King, after being charmed and seeing you know what the queen and and her father had done to the con- or to the the country, he's all i'm gonna invest, i'm gonna help, we're gonna throw this whole thing for the entire city. everybody's gonna be fed, you know, I'm trying to build the city back up from to where it was three years ago and and everything, so it made this like huge positive impact on on the entire thing, and I'm like super happy about that. And uh, so the bard kind of had some of her thunder stolen because the king came in and made a speech and everything, and she just kind of like, oh, okay, we'll take credit for everything. But <laughs> 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 so that that was fun. But then our cleric came in and like totally like like hyped her up and everything, and and then she did uh, you know like a performance and stuff for everybody. It, it worked out really well. So then after that, everybody went and finished getting ready and, and stuff, and they went to the the ball slash dinner, which was a ton of fun. So I had a guest list of 34. Um, that is a lot. Yeah, I made a lot of NBCs for this. <laughs> um, there were people from, <clears throat> excuse me, from the different delegations from, from the place for the trade summit, um, and then a whole bunch of the aristocrats from More. And the funny thing is, is the bard who is, she's um, a Goliath bard. So, you know, very kind of uncultured, come, came from, you know, nomadic herd and everything um she hired someone from one of the brothels to be her date but you know someone who's like actually trained in in high society and stuff. like this is a really high-end brothel um so he came as her date and you know kind of helped her you know danced with her showed her the steps showed her the ropes made sure she didn't make any faux pas or anything um and one of the reasons why he was there is because his boss wanted information of who was at the party and all of that so of course you know she happily rented him out i guess i don't know the best way to put it um but as he was there because he's you know in the 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 high society brothel stuff he knows all the gossip of the town so as people were being introduced and stuff he was giving all the gossip of all these aristocrats from town um how like uh, these two men came in, um, or, you know, husband and, and his husband came in. And so he turned to the bar and said, yeah, so I see him secretly on the side and I see him secretly on the side and they don't know about this. So, you know, like rumors and, and stuff was going on. Um, there's talk of, of affairs. There's talk of how. This guy is, like, trying to, uh, you know, he's always been trying to raise his his family to power, so he's basically brought his daughter to the ball to kind of push towards the king, even though the queen hasn't been executed yet. And, like, so, you know, all this, like, you know, really catty, gossipy stuff is going on. And then the best part happened that everybody was super excited about is uh, one of my players hasn't been able to play for, like, quite a while. And so she made her triumphant return at the ball last night. Or not last night, but
0: when oh, we played. fun!
1: Yeah, so um, I went ahead and I did, uh, you know, all my characters like got there first, except for a couple other people. So then I was announcing everybody as they came in, which a bunch of people that they never heard of before, whatever. So then I called out, you know, announcing uh, Lord Brennan Colville, who is the the lord who they went with, you know, escorted this entire time to get there and then with and then uh our rogue who has been st- stepped away for quite a while like it called her name and everyone's
0: like oh my god and
1: so it was pretty great everybody was super happy to see her and stuff and that's some yeah so then um you know we did some some dancing and everything um i created a seven course meal um pulling from stuff that i could find online uh one source being one of the menus from the titanic so had a lot of fun kind of throwing that together and, you know, adding elven to things, like a salmon dish. It's like elven salmon, blah, blah, blah. That was like, you know, portaled in today to be made and everything. And so, yeah, we just uh, had a, a nice fancy party for a celebration of the end of uh, arc number two. So
0: the next session, we're going to go hunt a dragon. What a What a fun kind of like... Just a little breather. Yeah, that that's
1: really what I was kind of aiming for. Um, because they ended up having the fight earlier, I was gonna, ha- I was planning on having the fight happen actually in the castle during this this whole thing, but, I mean, they they kind of pushed Troth's hand and he had to
0: make his play beforehand. So, yeah,
1: I'm I'm so really happy actually ended
0: got a, ended up having to have a really nice. Like ball,
1: yeah, exactly, as opposed to a big, huge fight, which I was kind of what I was planning on happening, which you know I've said it many times before, every time that my players do something that has me kind of rework or rejigger things around and stuff, I love it because it it really shows that you know we're working on this together, so any time that something comes up or they beat someone too fast or. They just you know do something that I have no idea how i'm gonna you know fix it in the moment i'm happy with it because it 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 tells a story that we were both creating, and I love the fact that the ball slash dinner and everything turned out to be just a really cool, chill, fun thing for everybody to handle
0: yeah no that's that's great. Uh, as I as I said and uh, has been my experience, especially the last several sessions with one of my groups, sometimes the smallest decisions can end up leading to the biggest impacts. Mm-hmm.
1: And that small decision was, oh, I heard a click, turn around and run away. That's all it was. Oh, Short well. So, uh, yep. yeah, I'm looking forward to the next session stuff, and uh, starting in on arc three, which. They're going on a ride. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting one because very... they're, they're level 12 now, and uh, that's, that's getting up there. We're, my goal is to get them to 20 for the end. So we've got... Gloves the gloves are off. Yeah, they definitely are. I mean, they have to be at this point because they're near invincible. So
0: <laughs> Yeah. 5E, 5e is very superhero for sure.
1: Yeah, and I'm fine with that because everybody wants to have that cool hero feeling. So
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is incredible. Hero Simulator, exactly. no question.
1: Um, so, what about you? What What are you doing? Uh, both your campaigns?
0: Uh, so, um, my my campaign that's stuck in the Shadowfell right now. Uh, they initially had planned after their very slim escape in the in finding that hidden room on an incredibly high difficulty check they were going to go straight to this uh the city and go bust the ranger's dad out try and find her mom and you know maybe overthrow the matriarchy all in one fell swoop (laughs) it's 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 Maybe. Who knows? Uh, they didn't know at all what they were going to do. And then during the week, kind of over discord, they started going, oh, should we should we go back to this little town? Should we try and make contact with these these rebels that we found like their notebook and their their map and stuff of? And maybe we should go take out the Houndmaster now Ooh. and try to take that that piece off the table and everything. So they they went back and forth. And I think it was a good like forty minutes of in game time at the beginning of of the last session where I just kind of sat back and let them just talk <laughs> it out and go back and forth. Uh, you know, everyone everyone has those sessions. Yeah, I exactly. Has those sessions every once in a while where you fun. just kind of sit back and smile and nod and whatever. So they they ended up deciding they were going to go back to town, trying to get some information and potentially ambush. The, the houndmaster who's been hunting them this whole time and uh see if they could take that card off the table. Uh when they got back they found uh a bunch of bodies had been strung up uh in front of the town. Uh turned out to be all the guards. Oh. All the ones they had killed and the ones they had not killed because they had done a very poor job apparently uh in view of this this villain. Uh so the warlock went by himself disguised self to to kind of look like the townspeople kind of went in everything is quiet no one's moving around uh a very timid person uh let him in the front gate uh but would not speak to him very much but pointed him in the direction he was pretending to be a courier yeah uh i uh, was like who do you have who do you have uh a letter for and he he had to pick between one of two names because there's there's two members of this this rebel thing there was names for in, in the mind so he picked one the name Faust uh cuz Faust Good is name. just a, a yeah cool name i guess uh went was able to talk to him uh and based on the stuff he knew kind of convince him that hey i'm on your side we're the ones that took down the the taskmaster of this this place and whatnot uh and st- So he was able to get some information. He was able to get some information on like the current state of things on one of the uh, the main rebel contact in the like capital city place they're going to. uh, And the guy started drawing him a map so that they could find him when they got there. Nice. Uh, About three quarters of the way through, there was a huge boom. They both ran to the window Barely opening the curtains, they see this massive winged shadowy creature, and they see the Houndmaster walking off with several shadow fell hounds, kind of stalking the courtyard. They see on the other side of this courtyard, the Houndmaster go up, grab the door to one of the houses, rip it off its hinges, and throw it backwards onto the, the courtyard go inside the house and a minute or two later someone gets hurled out uh this woman onto the concrete and so they're just kind of like barely watching this because it's just him <laughs> right now the rest of the party is hiding like several minutes away yeah in a, in a bubble that looks like a haystack uh so they so they're watching it seems like they exchange some words and then Houndmaster pulls out this black shadowy crossbow, shoots the person in the head. Oh. And. Looks around. Gets back on the creature. Flies off. Creature emanating this terrifying shriek. That paralyzed. The warlock and the guy he was talking with. For a short time. Oh, that is freaky. The guy. uh, The warlock is just like, who lived over there? And he was and then the other guy was like, that was the other rebel leader. The one he didn't pick to yeah. pretend to deliver stuff to. And so at the and, and <laughs> the coin flip, again, it's small decisions can mm-hmm. have huge impacts. Uh, and that could have because I, I had pre pre basically figured out what was going to happen. Yeah. And depending on where whoever went in was, things could have played out. Incredibly differently, and so instead of being involved, they got to watch it. Now, could you imagine if one other
1: person had gone and went to the other house?
0: Oh, it would have uh, (laughs) then. would have been so bad. That's what's so fun about D D is as a DM, you always wonder about what ifs Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for a lot of things because you because you know so much more and you know kind of so much far out, further out, and the thing and all the the. The plans you've done, yeah, and that that sort of um, shenanigans. So, it's it's one of those. It would have been really interesting if it went one way, but this was also super interesting, even uh, that it went this way. Oh, definitely. And so they they kind of ended off. Uh, he laid low for a few hours, made his way back to the party told them about what happened uh the party was fairly happy that they didn't try to ambush uh someone who they might not have been able to <laughs> to ambush yeah just a bit <laughs> and they decided to uh start booking it to this this capital city so they've got uh, we got some we got some travel uh upcoming in the next session or two mm-hmm. uh probably we'll get a uh, make a travel chart or you know travel in ca- uh, table yeah uh, to make things a little more interesting as we as we travel since we'll have a session or two of that but it is the shadow fell it can't it's it's not a super safe place to be traveling in so i'm sure the the there'll be some interesting stuff
1: th- there's pit stops and pie stands all along the road
0: all along the road <laughs> yeah <laughs> Sure, it'll be great. Of course, but yeah. So that was uh, it. Was it was a pretty epic session, even though, even though, no action happened. Uh, it was really fun to get to display a character that they'd heard a lot about but had not seen mm-hmm. yet. Yeah, so that was fun.
1: And I mean, really, it just kind of comes down to, um hey, maybe you shouldn't just go up against this guy who you think you know. Let's just go against him.
0: Yeah, I I I know D&D parties that you're all high on your long rest.
1: <laughs> yeah, just to touch. <laughs> uh, that's pretty good.
0: Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, that's uh that's about it for for me. Uh that's about it for our episode tonight. Uh thank you so much everyone for listening. As always, it is a blast doing these things. 75 episodes. Uh, feels feels like we just started. Yeah, pretty much. The, the, the time is weird. Very true. Time is very weird. Uh, before we go, though, Ben, why don't you tell everybody where we can be reached and where they can send us their own stories. You bet check out
1: you bet um now one of the things that we always want to know about uh is uh you know what's going on in your campaign let us know or if like peter you had a question that you want to ask send that as well uh we're always looking for for uh questions that we can uh you know kind of think about digest and then uh give an answer for so if you have any of those send those to dndiscussions at gmail.com now if you have something that's a, a bit of a more short form, you can always find us on Twitter. We are at d discussions Frequently, yeah, yeah, if you're looking for Ryan specifically, you can find him on Twitter. He is at TBKZord. If you're looking for me, I'm at Ben BenBumhofer. Now, as we said, this is episode 75 of DN discussions and if this is the first time you're listening and you're thinking, this is pretty cool, I want to know what they said about all those other dragons, well, guess what? Uh, Those episodes, as well as every other one that we've ever done, is available on dndiscussions.com, as well as your podcast player of choice. So definitely check that out. Um, I don't think it gets uh, or it's until we're at like episode 200 that things start disappearing off of uh, like iTunes and other things. But we're not there yet. We don't need to worry about it now if you're listening and you want to actually hear us play uh, we are in a persistent campaign called plus five to hit it is a podcast that you can find also where all of your favorite podcasts are found hopefully this one is one of your favorites as well Um, but we are currently on a hiatus uh, from our main campaign of rhyme of the frost maiden we're going through Strixhaven right now and i gotta tell you i'm having a lot of fun with it and i'm very much looking forward to the next session on that um, so, yeah, uh, that's everything for DN discussions, though. So, I gotta say, Ryan, it's always a pleasure talking to you. I'm very happy that things are going as fun as they sound for your campaign.
0: Um, as, as, uh, yours as well. Yeah. I want to go to a ball. It,
1: it, hey, I gotta tell you, we had some fun. I gotta tell you some of these <laughs> character names that I just randomly, uh, you know, pulled from, uh, You know, noble or fantasy noble name generator because I am so bad at naming people.
0: (laughs) Uh, I mean, when there's 30 something, uh, I mean, you're you're a logic. I'll get a little bit of help.
1: Oh, yeah. There are 34 seats at that table. Five of them were my players, everyone else was run by me. So it was rather fun. Um, Yeah. But, anyways, everybody, thank you for listening. And until next time, uh, be good to each other.
0: Take care, and we'll see you soon.